sex priestess isn't just about having sex with men. It's like being so embodied and so present in your feeling body, in your physical body, that it just stops men in their tracks, you know, to look up and like, whoa, you know, just become present and awake to get out of their head. You know, it arouses something in them. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Hello, my loves, and welcome to another episode of That Sex Chick. Today's guest, Nadine Lee, is the founder of Tantric Alchemy, where women are initiated into feminine tantric arts and sacred sexuality. Through the sacred path of traditional tantra yogurt, yogurt, that's a great one. That's a great way to start the show. Tantra yogurt, yoga. You know what I mean. Nadine found a deeper understanding of herself and now she guides others living their most delicious. I mean, if I did mean to say yogurt, this is really working. Delicious life full of self-love and breaking down societal conditioning around taboo topics like menstruation and sexuality. Tantric alchemy is her legacy to the world. And we are so happy to have her on the show to share her magic with all of you. Nadine, welcome on to That Sex Chick. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you questions about yogurt, (laughs) (laughs) but maybe tantric yoga. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it could be a new modality. Yeah. You know, it could (laughs) creamy and delicious and my version will be lactose free (laughs) and organic, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So to get this silly episode started, (laughs) I would love if you shared a little bit about you are and where you're from. And I know pretty much every time I check in with you, you're in a different place in the world. So also where you're tuning in and recording this from as well. I'd love to just kick off the show, having you share a little bit about that. Yeah. So at the moment I'm in Tulum, Mexico, and yeah, I've been here for a while for about three months. It's been actually really grounding since I left Bali last year. I've just been kind of nomadic and yes, feels good to be grounded for a bit. (laughs) So yeah, I'm here. I just finished running a really big in-person training in Costa Rica. And that's what I kind of like left Bali for to kind of, you know, do some travel, activate some different places in the world and kind of lead up to that training. So that was in January and that was amazing. Huge embodied feminine leadership training, which yeah, was a long time coming, you know, the last one we ran was just before COVID and it just felt so good to offer that again in person, you know, because everything's been online since then. So yeah, I run Tantric Alchemy, which is a portal to transformation. And yeah, I offer in-person trainings like the one we just did for women, online courses and mentorships. So yeah, all about really liberating, you know, our sexuality, liberating our finances, liberating our expression, using the tantric arts as kind of like the foundation and like the tool for that. And um, yeah, that's really where I'm at right now. (laughs) And that's the work that you do. But I imagine at some point in your upbringing, I don't know if the light bulb just went off out, you know, went on and you were like, I think I'm gonna change the world through tantra. Yeah. I mean, I actually resisted this path, to be honest, for so many years, you know, like most of us do, you know, we get the call and it's like, no, I don't want to do that. You know? So first it was really surrendering to the first call, which was like really going deep into healing myself and healing eating disorders and body image. And so I started to train as like a nutritionist and naturopath. And even that was like big for me coming from such a mainstream society. I never told anyone that I was studying naturopathy. I only said nutrition because I didn't want to be seen as like a hippie. So (laughs) it's come, I've come like so far just from, I remember that being such a big thing. And because I was, I was working as a nutritionist, I was working mainly with um, a lot of retreat centers and organizing like the meal plans and like actually catering retreat sent retreats. And a lot of my clients were sexual retreats and tantra retreats. And 
all these really deep taboo things. And I was like, why are all my retreat clients in this like weird, kinky, like tantric realm, you know? And, and they were always like, you know, asking me to come and participate and like, you know, just sit in on some sessions. And I was always like, no, like, I'm just, I'm just in the kitchen. I don't want to get involved in whatever weird stuff you guys are doing. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. So I like really resisted it, even though it was like in my face. And then one of my, like the retreat hosts, I ended up dating him for a while. And, you know, he was like, I was just learning so much through dating him. And that was really like my initiation into this realm, into the tantric realm. And again, I wasn't like dating him to learn the ways of tantra to teach tantra. I was just dating him because I really liked him, you know, but it ended up like after that relationship, all these tantric teachers just kept coming into my field and like effortlessly, I didn't have to seek out any of them. You know, I'd end up living with a tantra master in Bali for like two months or you know, with a Advaita Vedanta teacher in Perth, like managed his house for six months, you know. So all these things were just happening effortlessly in my early 20s, these teachers coming to me. And and then I kind of like just surrendered to the path and ended up going to India and studying traditional Tantra and more the philosophy side. But I feel, you know, most of my experience has come from these relationships and kind of like unofficial mentorships almost or like apprenticeships, you know? So it really has been my path. I feel from the start, you know, from being so young and being so connected to spiritual realm and the sexual energy and like the link between the two. I remember being six years old and, you know, like running sexual energy and just feeling like this connection with God and like asking my parents who God is and how do I meet him? And like, just really having this strong attunement between sexuality and spirituality. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 14, you know, I had a Kundalini awakening that really like fragmented me in a way, like I blasted basically my consciousness open, similar to what people experience, you know, on ayahuasca or like a strong psychedelic trip, but it wasn't induced by any psychedelics and it was just spontaneous. And so that was like a critical point in my journey where I experienced like so much energy moving through me and didn't know how to manage it. And so I experienced like from that point on from 14 till about 20, like really disconnected, really disassociated, suffered a lot of depression, anxiety, and the eating disorder, you know? And so I tried the traditional path of, you know, Western psychiatry and like antidepressants and all these things, nothing helped how I felt which was completely like disassociated, like out of body basically. And then when I found early twenties, I found Tantra through these you know, teachers. That's when everything clicked. And I realized like what had happened was, you know, this Kundalini energy had moved through me spontaneously and I just needed to learn how to manage it. And so that's where Tantra came in. And it was really like, as I said, I didn't want to teach it. I just wanted to learn how to like ground myself and be able to function properly and really feel in my body, you know? So yeah, I really just teach now from what I've experienced and know the power of this energy, you know, helping people really come into their power by embracing those lower chakras and like bringing the energy into the body and not just like floating up in the, in the astrals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. I think about the wide range of types of people who listen to our show. And there were several things that you said that I was imagining being in a lot of different positions, listening, going, you know, someone could be listening, going, wow, what the hell is that? <laughs> or like Kudahini. Do I Google that? I'm going to Google that. So before I start, you know, going down the next path and asking you more questions, could you describe, you know, at 14, I hear 14 Kundalini awakening and I'm like, oh shit. Like I legitimately would not have known what to do with that. What it sounds like you didn't know either. And it caused this like period of time, almost over six years of what that, the after effect was. So, but I know that there's so many people who are listening that might be like, what does that really mean? Mm, yes. Yeah, so basically 
for those who don't know what Kundalini is, it's, um, <laughs> I forget sometimes, you know, that like who I'm talking to. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> don't, you don't have to worry. You just let it flow. And if I need to double click on some things for extra, you know, for the glossary definition, <laughs> Nadine's dictionary version, then I'll double click for him. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, basically it's like Kundalini is in yoga and Tantra. It's really what we are aiming to, like all yoga and all Tantra practices are designed to awaken this force, which is called Kundalini, which is basically your life force energy, which is wanting to move like and flow through your body freely. And when it is flowing fully through you, that's when you feel like you know, you're at your peak human potential, your creativity is unlocked, your sexuality is unlocked, your consciousness is expanded, you know. And so often, you know, through yoga and tantra, specifically yoga, you know, that all the postures and everything are designed to open up your energy body so that kundalini can move through freely. Whereas like if if it like just gets awakened kind of like rapidly, like that and those channels aren't open then it can like really blast you open and it's like kind of like a high level of electricity like charged through you know your body and it's like too much to handle and that's kind of like what happened for me and this is what happens to a lot of people who without them realizing what it is and the western world often calls it you know mental illness bipolar schizophrenia as psychotic episode and so there's such like confusion around these phenomenons, like the Eastern traditions see as a, you're basically your awakening. The Western world sees as like you're a mental patient. And there's a reason for that because, you know, when that energy is fully awakened, we're unstoppable. You know, we're not, we're at our full potential. We're not able to be controlled by society anymore. So the Western system, there's a lot of like, they don't actually understand what it is. And a lot of these drugs they pump into you, like actually suppress that energy to keep you dulled down. So you're easily controlled and manipulated. So that's really what I see Kundalini as. And if you have any inclination towards Tantra, even if you like feel interested or towards yoga, then that's usually an indication your Kundalini is wanting to be awakened. Like you're wanting to awaken basically, you know, to your fullest potential as a human being. So, um, yeah, that's how I would describe it. I think of the movie, which I'm not sure if you've seen this. It's a Bradley Cooper movie from, I don't know, it has to be like 10 plus years Mm -hmm. ago called Limitless. Yeah. He's taking this pill or I think it was a pill in it. And then it's like all of a sudden he can do all these things. And at first I want to be like, it's Adderall, (laughs) you know, like he's (laughs) taking some kind of methamphetamine of sorts. And he's like, yeah, I can learn a language and I can do this thing and I can create this music and look at me go. When I hear this description, I'm like, oh, leveraging your Kundalini energy and leveraging your Kundalini is like limitless, you know, Mm -hmm. like you have something you can leverage to reach your highest potential, leverage that energy, create things in the world, the beauty and magnificence in the world, destruction, and then create right behind it. Like it just sounds really big and powerful. And, and I'm certainly still learning you know, I've been in this space long enough, you know, five and a half years, I've been officially in a professional place with this type of work, which before, of course, it was my life lived experiences. I went more down the path of kink and being very curious about this and how the ways of my upbringing and my social conditionings and all that led me to certain proclivities in sex that were inexplicable to me. Like I didn't understand why I like this thing and I want to be called this thing and put in this position and all of that stuff. When in reality, my day-to-day life, I'm nothing like that. So my curiosities really were in that realm. And then also in relationships and communication and understanding emotions through my journey. Of course, I came up you know, I was introduced to Tantra and Tantric practices. Tantra is a way of living. And then of course, Tantra, especially with the lens of sexuality pretty early on, 
And I've even worked, I've had some mentors and it's all been pretty basic. You know, it's breath, sound, movement. This is what we're doing here. And just general, okay, well, this is an example of what Kundalini is and all that. And I am understanding these things on a very, I wouldn't say surface level, like logically I'm taking it in. I'm like, okay, that feels true. Okay. I I like understand it, but as far as experiencing it and feeling it, I'm still a little curious you know, and I'm, I'm actually listening to Brene Brown's new book. It's called Atlas of the Heart. And she goes through 86 different groups of emotions. Well, 86 different emotions. And she couples them or partners them together in these different groups. And the current place in the book that I'm listening to, she talks about awe, wonder, and curiosity. And then just interested when I don't say just interested and interested in what these different feelings mean and emotions mean. And I would say now that I feel equipped and I understand these words, the best curiosity is a little bit deeper than like, Oh, I'm, I'm interested in that subject. It's I'm, I'm willing to be vulnerable and ask questions about this subject, mm-hmm. which is I've never thought about curiosity that way, where there's something inherently vulnerable about being truly curious because that means I'm willing to admit that I don't know things. And, yeah. and that's like, to me, like such a fun part of human experience, you know? And so my curiosity is definitely sparked when it comes to tantric ways of being and living and doing. And there's something else that, that you shared that I would love to hear. And you know, that could be like the next path we take on our conversation journey today is Tantra for sure, curiosity and how I can, you know, incorporate that in my own life. And I'm sure people who are listening to are curious about that and like what that actually means. And Mm -hmm. then because I have been more focused on the sex nerd, sex geek, understanding STIs and open relationships and communication and marriage, like just because of my, um, I would say subject matter and realm that I have, I have given myself permission to dig deeper into, I'm now coming to a place in my own individual relationship where I'm having conversations with my best friends and the topic of, I want to, I want to open a portal. Like, what does that mean? You know, I feel the presence of what I would say is like, oh yeah, we created a vortex and we're joking about it. We're being playful about it. Like we created this vortex of energy where everything felt like it fell away and it was just the two of us. But the conversation with my friends is like, I want to be a tantric priestess, not to make money with it, not to like shift a brand for me and, and specifically all my friends don't do what I do, but in the realms of we're now with a partner, you know, I'm married now. And so I want to be this thing, this muse, this particular archetype that I haven't given myself permission to really dig into. I want to be mm. that thing for my husband. I'm like, I wouldn't, you know, I'm so the opposite of people that I would describe as like tantric priestess kind of archetype. I'm like, yeah, I'm over here on planet earth, rolling around in the ground. Like I'm like earth, 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 you know, but I am so fascinated by it. And admittedly, like a little bit fearful, like how would I show up? Like, how would I be in that space? And I'm sure if people are listening to my show, what I just shared, they're like, yeah, that what Alexa said, what do we do? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. It's so interesting because I feel we're kind of like flipping roles because my I've been exploring more like this dominatrix energy and it feels like yeah it's like we're flipping archetypes oh yeah I got, I got you there <laughs> yeah. it's good you know and it's really a, that's such a big thing you know allowing ourselves to not get limited in specific archetypes you know of course we come in with codes that are really like natural to us but it can be limiting by like I'm just a tantric goddess or I'm just a tantric priestess. You know, it's like, no, I'm also like a human. I'm also like this fierce dominatrix badass. Like it's just, you know, I'm a boss, like all these different things we can play in. But yeah, with that tantric priestess, like I feel well, sex priestess, that's basically like my thing. You know, I like created a course on it. I'm writing a book on it. And it feels like, hmm, I mean, it's hard to encapsulate in, in words, but it really is like using that sexual energy and seeing it as like, just like you would see, you would go into, you know, an ayahuasca ceremony or like a psychedelic ceremony or some sort of transcendental experience. It's like 
approaching sexuality as yeah, a portal to unlock like higher states of consciousness. So that's where, you know, a lot of your work comes in because like a lot of people's, um, that Kundalini, the life force energy, the sexual energy, it's all the same word. When that gets awakened, it often gets, it starts to raise up your body, up your spine, and it usually gets blocked in that second and third chakra. And that's where a lot of like, you know, the blocked emotions are, the distortions around our sexuality, like the suppression and distortions around our power center. So a lot of that BDSM kink, like unresolved trauma that can get healed through all those modalities is really important to unlock and open up those two those two centers, the sacral chakra and then the solar plexus. I heard so then you the say air- spanking. Really? No. I don't <laughs> I don't think I'm like, you're saying kink and that, and you're saying the two chakras, and I'm like, I'm thinking about root, and I'm thinking, well, I mean, and that's the bottom chakra, but then I'm just oh, like, okay. oh yeah, that's what a good spanking will do. It'll unlock it all. <laughs> yeah, spanking, twerking, you know, yeah, booty yeah. workouts, all the things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, like those dynamics, like power plays, you know, that really helps, like, especially if you've had like sexual trauma as a, like the prey, you know, you've been like sexually preyed upon, like you've experienced trauma. It can be really healing to go into like the predator, like, you know, like the dominant and like exploring that consciously to like flip that and alchemize that energy. So that, you know, opens up a channel, opens up your, those two centers. So when you start to activate, you know, your eros, you feel turned on. It doesn't just get stuck in the sacral and in the soul plex. When those two are opened up and clear, then that, that sexual energy can move up into your heart, into your throat, into your third eye, into your crown. And that's where, you know, you experience this like full on like samadhi experience, like this bliss, like, you know, that moment of enlightenment essentially. So that's really like what, I see bringing the Tantra into the bedroom. It's like, yeah, starting at the root, you know, like exploring the primal, exploring all the kinks and exploring all that wildness. And then it's like, it's got to move beyond that eventually. Like it has to come up into the higher centers, you know, cause that's really the purpose of it is of the sexual energy is like, it's to create and also to purify. So we can create life. Literally we can create we can manifest things, but it's also to purify and awaken us and to, it does that by, you know, yeah, moving up the channels. So, you know, we need to have those lower chakras, a lot of that stuff resolved. We need to face a lot of the uncomfortable emotions that are within us. So a lot of Tantra, a lot of what I teach is actually like really clearing out stuck, stagnant emotions and doing a lot of inner child work. So a lot of people think, oh, Tantra, you know, it's all like soul gazing. I'm like, yeah, we can't do any of that unless we've resolved like your root shit, like all the stuff that's blocking you from being in the heart and really seeing beyond your trauma. So that's really what I've been focusing on really deeply is is those aspects of Tantra. And then when those are open, it's like very easy for the energy just to move up you know, into the heart and then up into your crown and, you know, beyond. So and I think a lot of people are stuck in those, like so many people on this planet are suppressing so much shit, like so many emotions. So you, there's no way they're going to be able to move the energy up unless they're like feeling more. And it's all about healing. And especially for men, you know, because, you know, that's what helps a man be able to, raise his energy up. So essentially what's happening when he's making love, the energy is going to come out through ejaculation. Whereas what makes it more turns it into tantric is like the energy, instead of coming out, he knows how to like pull the energy up and raise up his spine. And a lot of guys do this, but they're actually just holding it in. And then it gets stuck in that second chakra and you can feel it. Like you can feel it as the woman, it's not moving through his body because you you can't feel it moving together. Mm-hmm. So it's usually like because he's blocking some emotions. Men block way more emotions than women. You know, it's just a fact. So, yeah, emotional work, emotional alchemy is key in Tantra. Oh <laughs> and it's not always pretty. You know, it's not like love and light. It's usually dark. <laughs> just the way I <laughs> and like <messy>. it. <laughs> I'm like, just the way I like it. No, a thousand percent. I mean, people a lot of times 
you know, they come to me, to us, Sex and Love Co. And they're like, yeah, we're ready. Like I have a great relationship, but I want it to be better. Uh, I want more for my sex life, but I don't know what the more is. So that's what we say. We're like, we know what the more is. We'll show you. And then we, it's like whatever people want to, that's like the initial exposure. And then it's, here are all the ways that, you know, here's all the people that are experts in the things that we've shown you. So fly, you know? So they usually come and they're like, I want better sex and more connection. And I go, great. Are you prepared for this? You know, because yeah. I'm not going to show, I mean, I might show here's all the toys and the trinkets and the doodads and like, it's not inherently about any of these things. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I'm just looking at my desk right now and I have a prostate massager that's right here. I'm like, this is not inherently sexy. And like the majority of people could get this, you know, be handed this prostate massager and be like, what the fuck do I do with this? Like what, you know, but underneath that is possible shame. And mm-hmm. what do you have access to? when you acknowledge it and then you have awareness around it. And I'm just like flailing this prostate massager around as I'm talking. And then what happens if you work to resolve it? And then you start to move that from the place that it's in, in the body. And Mm. then you're able to, like you're saying, alchemize, transmute, other fun words, you know, move it around and then have the opportunity to flow more pleasure and flow more life force energy. That's fascinating Mm. to me. For sure. And people oftentimes are like, yeah, I want the, I want the better sex. I'm like, Hey, before we get to really awesome, mind-blowing, yay, you know, write about it kind of sex, we're going to do some not so sexy things together. And then, then I promise you, and some of those things wind up showcasing like what their deeper desires are. And maybe it is a more tantric way of approaching some of their sex, maybe not all of their sex, but some of their sex in their lives. And sometimes that then leads to types of kink that they didn't know they might be interested in as gateway, as an access point. So uh, I find it all fascinating for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you put that out because that's one of the core things I feel, especially for men, is that is like unlocking, yeah, the root, you know, in the anus using those sort of toys and all that or even just self prostate massage, you know, so much like gets held there. So you can just imagine like, yeah, all the shame they hold around like being gay or if anything's in their ass, they're gay. Like, you know, that's like blocking literally like the root of it all. So then there's no chance of the energy moving if they're like holding like literally a tight ass. So it's such a powerful practice for men, especially. Looking to spice up your toy box. Yoni Pleasure Palace is still at the very top of my list for high quality sexual and sensual products. Every time I go to their website, I am more and more impressed by their perfectly curated items. My husband, Jordan, and I recently received a brand new waterproof blanket that is in my favorite color, violet purple. We also received a stainless steel and rose quartz anal plug that is so sleek and sexy. Jordan loves when we use this. My personal favorite lube for self-pleasure is Yoni Elixir. It smells so light and delicious and is made with rosehip seed and jojoba oil. Literally every item I have from YPP becomes a favorite. I've given a cervix serpent to a friend for her birthday, Yoni Elixir as mother's blessings gifts for my soon-to-be mama friends to massage their vulvas and vaginal walls in preparation for birth and to encourage them to invite more pleasure into that process. I've traveled all over the world with my YPP waterproof blankets, and I consistently reach for my gorgeous glass and crystal toys for self-pleasure practices. It is an absolute dream to be working with a brand I was already so head over heels in love with. Should you wish to add Yoni Pleasure Palace to your personal collection or to help a significant other add to their collection, check out the links in the show notes to receive special discounts on your items. Yeah. Okay. So people, they come to you, they find your way to you. And what are the, what's the typical thing that they say before you go down a path of teaching whatever you're teaching them? I mean, most of the time it's like, yeah, it is that there's like elements of feeling numb, feeling disconnected, like they've never had an orgasm. This is, I mainly work with women and couples sometimes, but mainly women. So yeah, they're like just having sex that's like 
not fulfilling. And so, you know, where I usually start with that is like, let's take out this, the man out of the equation. Let's look at you, you know, like, are you making love to yourself? Like, how do you relate to your body? Like, do you feel comfortable in your body? Do you feel comfortable just like self-pleasuring and moving erotic energy for yourself? So we start with like that, that foundation of the relationship to self first and your sensuality and sexuality first. And then from there, just kind of, that's why I see also with the sex priestess codes, sex priestess, you know, it's like you being embodying that for yourself and just like being able to, you know, feel turned on just within your own being, beingness, you know, that's really, you can be with really any man and like, it can be amazing. You know, like you don't need him. You're the initiate basically as the woman. Like I feel women are really that initiate into the the erotic realms, the eros, you know, just naturally because we're just so much more in our body. And like the feminine is always the initiate because like the feminine is the surrender. And as women, we, it's more natural for us to surrender just by virtue of having a womb and giving birth. Like we're designed for the ultimate surrender, you know. So we really initiate men in that way. And it really starts with that relationship to your own sexuality and your own pleasure. And so, you know, I usually ask them that, like, do you self-pleasure and like start with that journey? And a lot of them, yeah, my clients like don't really self-pleasure at all. They don't dance for themselves. They don't like, you know, touch themselves and feel sexy for themselves. They're expecting the partner to basically like pleasure them, you know, and it's like such a, outsourcing of your power essentially it's like I don't know myself I don't pleasure myself I don't love myself can you pleasure me can you love me can you just make me happy so that's not really a healthy dynamic so when a woman can come into her own power really reclaim her sexual energy and like start to you know feel centered in that then that's when like yeah she's in her full power (laughs) and she can initiate like any man that she's with in sex and also just not even through sex, just by being herself moving through life. It's like the feminine is always initiating men into their full erect potential by like just being in her body, in her sensuality. And that just stops like a man into presence, which is a moment of like enlightenment, essentially, you know? So it's like sex priestess isn't just about having sex with men. It's like being so embodied and so present in your feeling body, in your physical body, that it just like stops men in their tracks, you know, to look up and like, whoa, like, you know, just become present and awake to get out of their head, you know, it arouses something in them. So, yeah. I think it's not even just men, it's the world. Yeah, because I, sure. I experience, yeah, I mean, I experience, I can tell when someone's very embodied, you know, when they walk in the room and it's like this, the energy pulls towards that person. There's something very attractive um, mm. in the way that someone who's feeling that that's in that kind of presence. And I've certainly had stories come up for me just generally over the years in that who I am as a woman is simply different than some of the people or some of the women that go down this path and find themselves and like their way of being in my head. I've gone, okay, I, that feels almost unsafe. And and if I'm really deducing it where I'm like, they seem to me so floaty and mm-hmm. outer in outer space and not tangible that I'm going to take my fire and earth self business. My chart is just all dirt and fire. You know, I'm just like, (laughs) it's ridiculous how much I'm like, I'm just going to be, you know, like my earth and fire over here. And I'm just going to appreciate the air over there or the water over there and (laughs) not try to force myself to be that. So on my individual path, I've been looking for ways to authentically encourage myself. What's my version of that? What's my expression of that? So, you know, I'm just going to take this opportunity on the podcast to ask you personal questions, (laughs) 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 though. I'm sure there's so many people who are listening that are like me too, Alexa. So how could you, like, if I were coming to you and I was like, I want to like 
Nadine, what do you have for me? This is how I typically see myself and how I move through the world. How would you encourage? And I do do self-pleasure. I do prioritize certain types of communication with my partner, my partner practices. We go in and out of retention of like not ejaculating, but also circulating. We do sex magic practices at least once or twice a month where we have like a kind of bigger production, but this it's still kind of a production for me. Like it's like this thing and then this thing leads to this thing and that thing. And so I know embodiment. I'm one of those like people that if I, when I have a coach, I'm really good at, I can process exactly what's happening for me. And I can tell the coach, I have all this awareness around the thing. <laughs> so I basically make it impossible for them to say anything new or unique, but just painting the picture here. What do you think would are ways that someone like me or that I, and then others that are like me can lean more into this way of being? Um, yeah, it's such a good question. I mean, first of all, you know, I know this is a big thing for a lot of women. It's not about like looking like me or like you or like anyone else, you know, so just really clearing that out that it's like your unique expression of your sexuality is yours. So, you know, like to be embodied doesn't mean that you have to like swan through slowly and like, you know, move like one second and, you know, like just really, really slow, (laughs) you know, so we all have different like codes and different energy, energetic imprints and sexual imprints. So, you know, by you just like showing up in like your full fierceness, that can also bring a man into like, whoa, like presence. So it's not like one way is right or wrong, you know? So I think that's a really big thing to understand, but I feel, you know, it's just like anything, like I was sharing at the start, like if my dominant energy is more water and fire, that's my makeup is like water, fire. So for me, like earth and air are more what I work on. And it's like those things that are our edges, I feel, because that's like the things that we're really like comfortable in are great. And it's really good to like, obviously enhance those. But then the other parts of us that are not as comfortable, that's where we can like lean into and like, you know, that's what brings us into more integration and wholeness. So it really just, I feel just what you shared about um, the production thing or like, a to B. I think it's really more tapping into like sensuality, sexuality, just for the sake of it, mm-hmm. you know, like not like to create something with sex magic or like get anywhere. It's like just being more fluid with it and more like gentle with it. And even like bringing in practices, I guess, with your partner that are more like gentle on the nervous system. Cause you know how a lot of like the other more intense, it's like fire. It's like, you know, the passion, like mm-hmm. maybe like bring in more like sensual touch and like him just like giving to you and you just receiving and like being more slow with it and like even creating music that takes you on a journey that's more watery music, you know, so you can tap into more of that water element, like the softer sensual side. And, you know, you can even like, yeah, like play in different costumes, you know, like or lingerie that's like more soft, like lacy, you know, like white. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah we should swap lingerie yeah yeah, <laughs> on yeah. some latex you can have some white lace like, yeah like kind of frilly on the side I put it on and I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like you look ridiculous Alexa take this off immediately <laughs> yeah it's interesting we actually did this at my training I got all the girls to dress up in like it was like a shadow integration day and it was like feeling into an archetype that's really not like comfortable for you or like that that one that you judge a bit you know like the floaty like Mm -hmm. cool fairy kind of woman and we all came to the session dressed up in that archetype and it was so powerful and we all had to like go in the center and like reenact that like come as character and that was so fun so even like bringing those like playful things with your partner you know can be really powerful yeah I think that's And then just, yeah, you can do it in the bedroom, but also, yeah, if you feel to like integrate it into like, into your day-to-day life, you know, like have a day where you're in the the water goddess, like the floaty fairy. It's so funny. It's so funny. 
I don't like the beach. I don't, I don't like the, I don't like that. I will sit next to the water. I'm like a cat. I'll sit next (laughs) to the water. I will not go in the water. Like the whole process is just like it. I, I pull out the things that I do and don't like, like in life. And my friends, of course, I have one friend in particular that she laughs out loud. Anytime I say a yes or a no very quickly, because she's like, how do you know this about yourself so fast? Like someone will ask if I want a thing and I'm like, no, thank you. Before I even consider it, she's like, I have to think about the whole thing. Do I do want this? Do I not want that? How do I feel about them saying, you know, about me saying no to them about this whole process for her? And when someone says, would you like, and I go, no, thank you. So immediately she's like, it like makes her uncomfortable. She's like, how do you do that? And for her, I'm pretty sure the majority of her chart is actually air and water. And so there's just something about, you know, there's something to get from either side. And I think, I think a lot of that for Jordan and I, where I describe myself as kind of like the clouds on the cloudy day. And he's like the sunshine, he's like the perpetual ray of sunshine. And then I just make it, I just make life partly cloudy (laughs) for him because we're just like, we're just different creatures. And yeah, it's just, it's so funny. And like listening to this and I think back, I think back recently. So on our team, my designated embodiment person on our team is Bryn because that's been her path, which I know Bryn has, she's even come to one of your, the last time you were in Austin, she went to an experience, which she said she had an amazing time. So I, I can loop back around to that in a second, but she, she, and I've got like a little picture of her here on my desk. She's, she's actually at a facilitator training out in the mountains right now. So she's with us in spirit, but I always turn to her. I'm like, Bryn, you want to lead an embodiment thing? Cause that's very much been her like main thing that she wants to learn and move through. And I very much participate in all the things that she leads. And I have my own, you know, curiosities and interests in, in those, but it's not like my main thing I would say. And recently we co-facilitated some like women's circles that are like maybe an hour or so for a couple of different experiences. And she did an archetypes one. And Mm -hmm. both times that we did this archetype thing, I go, I'll be the maiden. (laughs) You know, like if there's queen and there's sorceress and there's huntress or warrioress or like, you know, you can play with different archetypes. And then there's like maiden and I'm like Ooh. the little sweet little receptive girl that like looks at everything with wonder and awe and is young and kind of naive and all of that. I'm like, oh, it's so uncomfortable. And I'm like, I'm going to be the maiden. And when we did this, when we had a, a similar experience where we went through the whole night, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do maiden energy. We happened to be in a festival environment. So it was much easier for me to put on the outfit and go be like a version of myself, so to speak. And I had multiple people who were not aware of me choosing this and were not aware that this is what, how this women's circle went down. I were like, you were so playful and open the whole weekend. So I think I'm just like, archetypes are fascinating to me too. And like, what does this new experience call for? And how can I lean into more of that thing? Uh, and I know that myself at times it's very challenging and so many other people, they can only see themselves in one way. And it's almost like their partner can only see them in one way. Their kids, if they have children can only see them in one way, like the life around them. And so it kind of makes them feel like they're in a box that they can only operate even. And if it almost feels like, I think at times for people that aspects of who they are are dying as time goes by and they only sit in the one that parts of who they are just literally dying. Yeah, for sure. And the funny thing is, well, not funny, but like the ironic thing is like those aspects of us, like the ones that are really that we judge and like that we're like, those are actually like the gateways I feel into really coming into our full power because it's the integration piece, like really coming into wholeness, making peace with that part of us that has been essentially suppressed, you know, Maybe when you were young, like, you know, the maiden, I had that experience with my maiden. It was like, I didn't feel like I could just be like silly and just be, you know, like so many of us have this experience, like we're just forced to grow up so quick and in hostile, volatile, like family situations where you have to kind of like be alert. So that's been a really big key for me is like that aspect of the maiden, like just being super silly and just like, yeah, just fucking ridiculous. So that's been really healing and really powerful. And then 
yeah, like, you know, for other people, it's like maybe that aspect of their masculine side that they see as like, maybe their father was like really dominant and like controlling and a dictator. So they suppress that side of themselves, you know, they don't want to seem like their dad. So they become very passive and then it's kind of like debilitating them. And then it comes out in this passive aggressive way. Whereas if they just consciously own that, like not dominance, like as in like a dictator, but more like the alchemized version of that is like a leader, you know? So each of these things has a shadow and then, like a, a light version to it, like a someone who's like a dictator, like the alchemized version of that would be a powerful leader, you know, someone who's like really passive and like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm floating around. Like, like a powerful version of that could be like the ability to just like surrender deeply into the body, you know, and have like the ability to be fluid. Yeah. The, the embodiment of go with the flow. You know, like yeah. they're still participating in the thing, but they're, you know, they're, they're more present with it and allowing and surrendering to what's unfolding, not just, well, I'll see how I'll tune in and see how it feels in the moment. It's just, it registers mm-hmm. this flakiness and you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you function in life? You know, time doesn't really yeah. exist. I'm like, oh, in my, in my human world, it definitely exists. <laughs> And I have had experiences where I've lost all concept and understanding of space and time. I'm like, oh, that was a time when it didn't exist. (laughs) There's so much. Humaning is such a wild journey, such a wild trip, right? And it's like the, the things that I want in life are oftentimes the only way for me to get them is by acknowledging, like you're saying, some of, some of the aspects that are not fully integrated for whatever the reason was. And so, you know, the things that I desire in life, that a direct correlation or a part of the things that I desire most in life is what comes to me next is the way that I show up in my sexuality. And I don't know if that some of these concepts and some of this topic is hard to articulate. Like Mm. words almost don't do what I'm considering or what I'm feeling really justice in a sense. So uh, I hope that it's always this perplexing and fascinating to me. I'm sure you do too. So yeah. yeah. And the sexuality realm, like, you know, we can spend our whole life like uncovering like the, I, I just feel, especially for women, you know, like, I don't know if you've experienced this. I'm sure you have, but it's like you get to a point of like your orgasmic potential and then it's just like you get another partner and it's just like, or like, you know, even just more time with your current partner and it just goes even deeper and deeper and deeper and it unlocks more and more aspects of the psyche through sexuality. Cause I feel that's where all like, you know, a lot of our shadows are. And so it's, it's fascinating what's there. And so, yeah, I love it. Okay. So I want to loop back around to just quickly here, Bren's experience with you and going and doing some in-person work. So mm-hmm. I think people understand if they're listening to the show, then they might be somewhat privy to what virtual coaching and mentorship looks like. You know, you consider like introspectively, Someone considers a thing that they desire, they want, or something that they might perceive they're lacking. And so maybe there's some level of understanding that what got me here won't get me there. So what in life, my decisions, things got me to this place. And if I want a certain thing, then I might need to do something different. Chances are I'll need to do something different, whether that's listening to, you know, like there's different degrees of going on an information or knowledge journey. And then eventually hopefully embodiment too, where it's like, okay, I'm listening to podcasts and then I'm absorbing free content that's available on social media. And then sometimes people go, okay, well, I want more formal, more structure. I really want to dig in deep. And so then there's things like virtual experiences that they can do online. Maybe it's like a day uh, masterclass or something, or a virtual program or course that goes in deeper and has activities and exercises and learnings. And then there's some people that do those things, sure, and then also want to do a more in-your-face kind of in-person experience, which in-person experiences are significantly, from 
my perspective, significantly more intense. And that does not a bad thing. It's just, there's, it's right in front of your face. The feelings, whether that's shame, blame, guilt, make wrong, excitement, turn on, all of that is very present in your body while you're looking at other people and also learning things. Like it, it's, it's incredible. And I'm, I'm saying this because I know you just got done with an in-person thing. We just got with Sex and Love Co. We just ran a couple's retreat. And I worked with a lot of these couples over eight weeks and what they experienced in the in-person. I mean, I'm sure these eight weeks did set them up well, but what they actually experienced in the in-person was holy fucking shit. Like, you know, of course now their work is integration, which is a whole other subject, but it was, you know, holy shit. So I know Bren came to you and I know, you know, you do at times lead in-person experiences, workshops, retreats. What would someone experience? in this realm. Cause I imagine that there's people that are listening to this like general subject matter and the thought of them plopping down in a circle of 15, 20 other women or people. And you, you know, I'm thinking of like people undulating and sighing mm-hmm. and crying and like all these things might be really intense. So I would love like, you know, kind of a description of how that actually goes down. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that really it's like <laughs> I kind of like people know I don't know like if they're in my sphere they kind of get an idea of like what they're in for but in saying that you know I have people come that are like completely new and like they're just like I just discovered you last week and I felt cold and I think like the feedback I've got is that I hold like a really really safe non-judgmental space and that's key when you're doing this work you know sexuality emotions like fragile parts of us and it's really because like I've really taken myself really deep within myself you know and can hold that hold a lot of dark stuff and alchemize it you know so help support people alchemize it so yeah there's a lot of like we always start journeys in person with like a purification aspect so really going into like feeling what's there, expressing what's there, really getting into the emotional body, getting into the truth of what's actually going on for you. And then, you know, then we start, once that's kind of open, the channels are opened and we'll start to move, activate that sexual energy. So, you know, through erotic dance, through, I think the one she, yeah, the one she came to, we did a jade egg practice actually. So it was like 30 women all practicing the jade eggs. So like in person and to me that doesn't seem weird at all like (laughs) but to some of the women they're like oh my god I can't believe we just did this I'm like self-pleasuring like with 30 other women it was that they said that was so healing for them like just to be so free in that and it's like no one's looking at each other and it's like a really beautiful practice and you know women were orgasming women were screaming women were crying and it was just everything (laughs) is welcome you know (laughs) It's just like a space I feel to come, just just let loose and just be yourself and just unlock like all that like shit that we're holding in our day-to-day life. It's like trying to keep it all together, you know? So, and that's where like the liberation comes and the freeing up of all this energy and just like lightness and just, yeah, like a glow starts to move through everyone's aura essentially. They're just like, oh, let go of like 10 kilos of emotional energetic shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I imagine being in that kind of environment and I've been in environments that are not too dissimilar from the one that you just described. And actually I've been in environments that are almost exactly like you described, especially in Burning Man. <laughs> there's all kinds yeah. of there's all kinds of fun things you can get up to uh <laughs> Burning Man. But the feelings of I'm sure that can be really intense for some people and I'm sure the feeling that they have before they're actually in it is more intense than them actually being in it. Because I imagine being surrounded by people who are emoting and expressing and are in their bodies in that way is just blanket permission to be and come as you are literally like come however you are. (laughs) And so that, and that I imagine that being so freeing, like you said, like leave this, you know, pounds and pounds of emotional shit. Just leave that behind. You can smudge and sage that out and they can go on, you know, they can go on home after. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, it's really powerful. So I feel that, like, I mean, that was a four-hour workshop, but I go deep. But, like, with the seven-day immersions, obviously, it's just a whole nother level because I don't want to take people too far in, like, only four hours just because there's, like, a level of, you know, I, I know where to kind of, like, cap it because you don't want to open up too much, like, without the, like, buffer after and like the containing and holding you don't want to just send someone home in the middle of like a full-on psychotic break because the traumas resurfaced but that's never happened like in 12 10 years of doing this like I've never had anything like that even in the like long in-person journeys like seven days so but yeah obviously the longer in person the deeper we can go (laughs) and I feel that this sort of work you know, I have the online, which is really powerful, but like there has to be a time where we come in person because that's, it's just different. It's like, not like me just sitting here lecturing you on a Zoom call. It's like we're doing full on practices and, you know, it's just, there's some things you need to be in person and have like human touch to like, yeah, like ground the energy and like, yeah, just go deeper than Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. It all sounds so beautiful for sure. And there are elements and parts of what you describe that I feel are very resonant for the the types of containers that we lead and and all of that. And there's certainly some aspects of what you, what you describe where that sounds very unique. And so I hope if ever you come back in this direction, you want to stop gallivanting (laughs) at those tropical, amazing. I can't, I'm, I, (laughs) Yeah, I want also want to be there, but Austin's cool too. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. If you ever stop gallivanting, but I would be where you are too if I could. I guess I technically, <laughs> I technically could. But yeah, if you ever wind up coming back through Austin, I for sure want to get in on one of those experiences. And I know that you're you're pretty regularly as you bounce around. If I you can tell me if this is if this has changed, but you do do you know, whether it's like a four hour workshop here or four hour workshop there. So people, if they're listening to this and maybe they start following you at tantric.alchemy and they're like, I want to, I want to get some of this, you know, whether that's virtual, of course, those are a little bit easier. You can do a lot of those pretty much right away, but you run mm-hmm. online live versions of things too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, if they want to find you for in-person, what's that flow like for you? Yeah. So at the moment, the, the next embodied feminine leadership training is going to be happening at the end of this year in most likely Mexico. We're looking at Mexico. The last one was in Costa Rica, the one in January. So that's my next big in-person. And then I kind of like, I just kind of like plan not really that far in advance, usually one month for like a four hour workshop, like the one I did in Austin. But I think the next one potentially could be in LA. So I'll be heading there in, in about a month. But other than that, I'm just doing, yeah, like um, online mentorships. and Great. Great. So basically what I hear in that is for people to follow you or get on your email list and follow along on the journey. And yeah. and you keep people up to date with, okay, hey, I'm here. Anyone want to come to this thing? And those are always great excuses. I love following people online and then knowing eventually one day I'll go to one of their things. And mm-hmm. making a quick weekend trip out of it, you know, like let's say you're in LA, but you don't have any plans to go to Austin anytime soon. And I go, Bryn, you want to do a weekend trip to LA? And we also happen to do one of your workshops while we're in LA. I love, I love mm-hmm. those kinds of experiences. I want to do an S factor that's in LA too at some point soon. So, yeah. So I'm really painting the picture for people who are listening to make it more realistic. Like she's not going to go to a small town in Iowa or Ohio. <laughs> or Michigan or, but maybe you will, you know, but like these little tiny towns and, and a variety of places. So this is an encouragement that, yeah, if what is accessible to you is virtual then do virtual exploration. And if you, yeah, give yourself permission to go deeper into yourself so that you can expand so that you can experience more of life, whether that's life as someone who's single and looking for love or life as a person who's been in a partnership for a long time, whatever that means to you, or, you know, you resonate so much with mother right now. So like, there's still mm-hmm. so much more 
of you than these things, wife, single person, dating mother, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, I love this little, this is a little message to give yourself permission to expand and explore more. And the world is opening, steadily opening. So it's uh, the message of you deserve it. Yeah, for sure. And Mexico is open. Like it's never shut down. That's why I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's why I'm in Austin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm in Austin too. Nadine, thank you so much. I love this convo for so many personal reasons. I'm like, I have all, I have questions. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah. I appreciate your perspectives for sure. And the way that you show up because it's, it real, it's real. It does feel grounded and tangible. And, um, and I, like I said, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time to come and share your gifts with our audience. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Is there anything else that you would like to share last minute thoughts or considerations before we say goodbye? No, I feel pretty good. Yeah. Just I guess you'll link in my Instagram. My old Instagram got deleted. So I'm on a new I one. I saw, I yeah. saw, uh, I did it see that. This. I feel yeah. the pains of another social media, like my business is on social media and influencer and just the effort. I think so many people who are absorb- absorbing our content maybe don't understand how much effort goes into yeah. the creation of that. So yes, we will link your new one so that people know yeah. where to find you. Thank you. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.